You're listening to sermons from Christ the Savior Orthodox Church. We're a small but growing mission of the Orthodox Church in America, currently meeting in Brewer, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for service, but until then, here's Father Scott with this week's sermon. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard me, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that same self hour. John. Maximovic, Chris read the life. It's so good to hear the lives of these saints, particularly when they're ones that are contemporary to us. He lived in the last century. And as Chris said, he, he knew people that knew him directly and was in a church that he blessed to start. Saints are alive and well. One time I had a Protestant friend ask me, are you still making saints? And I said, yes, God's still making saints. <laughs> I'm not making saints. The church recognizes saints and they're still being made saints day by day as we go through into history. We're approaching a bunch of baptisms in two weeks. I think about 10 people are being baptized. And remember, two weeks from today, we'll meet out at my house on Pushaw Lake to baptize people in living water, as is our custom, as much as possible. With those baptisms coming, it's good to reflect upon what the Apostle Paul taught us today in the book of Romans, in his letter to the Romans. There's a way that leads to holiness, and there's a way that leads to damnation. And what we want to do is we want to find ourselves on the right path. So often Christians, I think, get the idea that heaven's a place where you sit around in a cloud and you, I don't know, you maybe eat grapes and recline and just take it easy and float around for eternity. And I kind of think they extend that into the present life. So that we think here, this life's going to be just like it's going to be in heaven. Easy, we're prosperous, everything goes well. Well, today, I think the apostle disabuses of that notion. Romans chapter 6 is a treasure trove of what I call an introduction to spiritual warfare. 
When we're baptized, as it says in what we read today, we become dead of the sin. It's like God gives us a new creation. He gives us a new life. He washes away everything that came before. We have a clean slate. We can start again, not encumbered by all those sins. We have freedom because we have grace in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and we have power to defeat sin that before so encaptured us. But we have to watch out because though baptism is a time when that fire, if you will, of the enmity between us and God is put out, a new war begins. That's the war to be holy. That's the war to be righteous. That's the war to be worthy of the salvation that Christ has offered us. And so we look at the book of Romans with this in mind, this idea that there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. The last verse of our passage that we read today says this. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, what sin brings us is death. And we've been delivered from death. When Christ brings us into the church through holy baptism, he delivers us from that death. He sets us free. But there is a death that comes from sin. But God gives you this gift of eternal life. There's nothing we could have ever done, especially in our lost state, to bring about our salvation. But Christ, when we were yet sinners, died for us. And he delivered us. We'll just come to him. And so we come to him today. And we think about what it is to be dead to sin. The baptism is to free us. It's raised us to a new life. He's planted us in his likeness. He's delivered us from that death. And he's put out all that enmity that existed between us and him. And given us a clean slate. So then, how do we live? How do we live? Well, he gives us some very good instructions. Starting in verse 11. He says this. He says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when sins are washed away, you're able to see God, and he becomes alive in your soul, in your mind, and hopefully in your body. There's evidence of that salvation, that indwelling of God, that new life that we have. But Paul says that we need to reckon, we need to consider this state that we're in. We need to think about it. Based on our baptism, we need to start to consider that we've been given a clean slate, but that clean slate can easily be dirtied again. And so we need to consider and think, reckon, calculate, if you will, what God has given to us and what the danger is of relapsing into our lost state. Not so much as falling away from Christ totally into apostasy, but to soil the garments that he's given us, the cleansing that he gave us. And so he says, the first thing he gives us warning after we are given warning to consider things, and to think, to wake up, in other words, is he says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. No, letting not means don't let it. It's pretty straightforward. There's no mystery about what let not means. You must not let sin back into your life. You've got to fight against it. It wants to come back in. The devil's still alive and well because you've been delivered. He's still out there. He's still out there seeking to whom he can devour. And so we need to let not sin come back and reign again. There's a story given by the Lord about the place where the demons were swept out. And he says, if you're not careful and fill it back up right, seven more will come back and fill that empty spot. And so we begin what we could call Christian warfare. The war between us and God is over. But now there begins a war between us and the devil, between us and the flesh, and between us and this world that wants to corrupt us and drag us down. He continues and says that we must not yield ourselves. You know, yielding is giving up. 
Yielding is when you say, uncle, I'm done. Yielding is surrender. We're not supposed to ever surrender. In other words, we're never to ever give up. Winston Churchill gave those great words to the English as they stood there against the world, it seemed, with the Nazis taking over all of Europe. He said, we'll never surrender. We'll fight on the beaches, we'll fight in the woods, we'll fight in the cities, but we'll never, never, ever surrender. We'll never give up. And so it is with a Christian. Though we might fall, <coughs> though we might fall repeatedly, though we might fall 70 times, seven times, God calls us to get up, to never surrender, to never yield, only give up to God. He's the only one that we surrender to. Are you discouraged when you look at your life and you see the sins there? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't listen to that voice to give up. God wants you to continue to get up and he's provided for you a cleansing, like a baptism. When we come to confession, God releases our sins. It's our prayer to him, witnessed by a priest in front of the church, in the church, that releases us again to that purity that we had. God forgives sins. He's in that business. He calls you never to yield. And he provides you a way to relieve yourself of those sins in confession, but also to know you never are ever to give up. He says that you don't want to yield to sin, but at the same time, you don't want to obey it. You know, when you give in to sin, you're obeying some other voice of God. Because God's not telling you to sin. So who are you listening to when you sin? Yourself, your lusts, maybe your neighbors, the way they live, the world system, the devil, the demons. All of them want you to obey something other than God. God says don't obey those lusts. The lust is kind of the, the apple, if you will, of sin. You want to take a bite of it. You're given to that lust, that desire, which is evil. And you bring about sin. And sin, as Paul closes, says, sin is what, the wages of sin is what brings of death. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and he gives a big list of sins. He says that such were some of you, idolaters, liars, fornicators, adulterers, abusers of yourselves with mankind. He says, such were some of you which you were delivered. But he says after that, he says that no such are not going to receive the kingdom of heaven. God is no respecter of persons. When he says the wages of sin is death, the wages of sin is death. Sin is death. Unforgiven sin, unrepented sin brings death. It's a scary thought, my brothers and sisters, to think that we can relapse, we can fall away. The book of Hebrews is replete with ifs, what happens if you fall away. Not good things. And so there's this warning given that we don't want to let sin come back into our life. We don't want to obey sin and the lusts thereof and fall back into those same things when we become again a slave to those things. Worse yet, a slave. Seven times a slave, perhaps. We started out as having known God's grace to trample it asunder. It's a scary thought. Our warfare is real. Our warfare is daily. It's continual. It never seems to stop, does it? He says this to encourage us, though. Sometimes it seems, I don't know about you, but it seems like my sin is so heavy and I can't get out from underneath it. I'll confess it. I'll try to forsake it and it keeps coming back. But God gives us some encouragement when he says this. He says, sin, despite what you might think, can't have dominion over you. It shall not have dominion over you. Dominion is absolute rule. Dominion is being dominated by to the point of abject surrender. Total surrender, unconditional surrender. God wants you to know that you never have to be under a dominion of sin again. You can fall into sin, yes. You can be even captured by it to a great degree, but you can always repent. And so we're called not to be like Judas and to give up hope. 
and go hang yourself because things are so bad. That's just throwing yourself in the fire, into the frying pan, and the fire together. Suicide's a grave sin. But he calls us to know that we can have hope. We never have to be under dominion. This is God's promise. You may be pushed back. You may be stamped on. You may be pretty down. You may be losing. But you know what? You're not going to be under dominion. You just come back to Christ again and ask him to cleanse you. He can lift you right back out of the mud again, set you on high in his sight, just as pure as ever. Don't forget, you're his dear child. You know, he wants you not to be under anything but grace. And it says that here. It says that law, you're not under it anymore. You're under grace. My spirit dwells inside of you. He says in the same letter, if you don't have a spirit, you're none of his. And so it is that a Christian has God's spirit. He has God's protection. So that God can deliver you in the time when it feels like nothing will ever go right again. God's calling you to know you can't be under dominion. You might be temporarily dominated by it, but you'll never be under that kingdom of the devil again. But you need to fight. You need to have spiritual warfare. You need to skirmish. And sometimes you need skirmishes. Sometimes you lose battles. I know I've lost some battles. But at the same time, we can always know that God wants you to come back. You're a child. He wants you to come back. And like you waited for the prodigal son in that great, great story, the prodigal son, so he waits for us when we wander away and we fall back. Well, we're not, he says this twice in this passage, we're not under anything but grace anymore. We're under grace. What is that? It's God's overshadowing of you and your life. And all that you do, every step you take, every place you go, God is overshadowing your path. And when you lead into a place that you shouldn't be in, you've taken God with you. Imagine the sorrow that God has when we take ourselves into places where we shouldn't be as a Christian, as a child. He weeps. If you have children, you know what that is. To see a child go astray and to watch that happen. That's how God feels when we sin. When we give up in the spiritual warfare, we roll over, we're ignorant of God's desire. When we're weak, when we're slovenly, when we're lazy, when we're worse yet rebellious, we carry God, the Holy Spirit, through those places. He doesn't want us to be under that dominion. He wants us only to be slaves of one thing. And he uses the word slaves later in the passage. It's more than a servant. A servant has the idea that a servant can come and a servant can go. A slave, which is what we really are, is what the slaves and servants were in the old days. It wasn't like today, I'm a servant, you can quit your job. In the old days, the servants were generally slaves. They were there for life. And so we're supposed to be, serving one master, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not defeatable in any other dominion. We're under his grace. We're there, his children, in his presence all the time. And he watches and sees everything. Lastly, God says something else that we need to do. We need not, not to yield, not to obey not to give in to the lusts. We need to consider all these things. But we need to know something. That to whoever we yield ourselves servants to obey, that's who we're the servant are. You have to make a choice, dear brother and sister, who you're going to yield to in your warfare. Who are you going to fight? And who are you going to fight for? Are you going to fight for God? Are you going to fight for righteousness? Or are you going to fight to get your sin? So often I think we're angry people. We're angry because our sin is our desire. And something gets in the way of us getting to our sin. But what God wants is us, God wants us directed towards him. Spiritual warfare is fighting the inclinations that existed before God came into your life. 
and fighting them with, with power, with force. It's like being a soldier. It's like a slave that's willing to go into combat because he loves the master. And he's willing to sacrifice everything and die on the battlefield if necessary. That's the desire of a real Christian heart. When we fight the spiritual warfare that God desires, and we know that God's our God, and that his grace is in us, and his Holy Spirit is with us, and he'll forgive us our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive them and bring us into a cleansing place again, then we can rally, and we can go forth to battle and be successful. If we obey from a pure heart, we get great blessing. I think of St. John Maximovich, you heard his life this morning. Think of where God took that man in his life. From Russia to the United States to China. It was everywhere. Moved by the Holy Spirit to great victories. This is what God desires of us. That we are like his instrument, his slave, his servant. And he can move us because we're closely attentive to his will and his desire. He can move us to where we can best be used to be successful. The greatness of God is illimitable. He has something he can do with every single life that's yielded to him. St. John was a very small person of stature. Very small. And when he got older, he was hunched over, so he was very, very small. Matter of fact, I don't think at the end he cleared five feet. I think in his strongest point, he was like five foot three. He was a tiny little man, yet he did great things. He wasn't great of speech. He wasn't great of a lot of things. But God used him. God wants to use you. But to be used of God, we've got a battle. We have to engage the battle. And we have to engage it in a way that's pleasing to him according to his will. We've got to remember something. That it is God's plan that we fight. It's God's will that you struggle. We've talked much about that this year. It's God's will that we fight, we struggle. But it's also his desire that we get the victory. And his grace can bring you great victory if you'll just put on your armor and go into the fight. When you lose, get up and get back in the fight again. Don't be afraid of losing. We all will lose. There's none to do with good, it says, right? So we all need to come to the Lord's confession. We need to confess our sins before he who is just and faithful to forgive us for our sins. But we need to know that as his children, we can do great things. We'll just let him and we engage in the battle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can listen to more sermons and learn more about us by visiting our website at orthodoxmaine.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God be with you.